Welcome to the 159th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. During the summer of 2014, the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board passed an Urban Agriculture Activity Plan, which will govern how parkland and facilities are used to promote a local food economy in the city. The Land Stewardship Project, working with Hope Community in the Phillips neighborhood of Minneapolis, has supported the development of the activity plan, seeing it as a way to advance urban farming and a healthy food system in the city. However, when the initial plan was released to the public, it contained no reference to racial equity, although members of the community had called for a racial justice framework at numerous listening sessions throughout the city during the comment period. After Hope Community and LSP raised concerns about this issue being ignored, the Park and Recreation Board agreed to include racial equity and race-conscious evaluation measures to help Park and Recreation Board staff and community members measure the benefit of the plan for communities of color. Land Stewardship Project organizer Dylan bradford Kesty recently talked to me about LSP's work with HOPE and why it's so important for a city's park system to recognize racial equity when developing plans for utilizing space for urban agriculture, among other things. I am the third organizer working with Land Stewardship Project and community-based food systems in the metro region, increasing access to food, increasing access to land, and really building power in community around a more fair, just, and healthy food system. And in that work, Land Stewardship Project has had this five-year partnership with Hope Community right in downtown Minneapolis on Franklin and Portland. And in that partnership, we build power in community, we grow vegetables, we build urban and rural connections between our LSP farmer members and our Hope growers. And in that work, we talk about how does this food create more just and more justice and equity in our society? As from a land stewardship project perspective, we believe that there is no sustainability without racial equity. And so our work leads with that in the metro region as we work for a more sustainable and just food system um, with an ethic for the land. And so in that five-year partnership, Land Stewardship Project has stood in solidarity with Hope in the past and has worked with Hope community on multiple issues. And it came up this year that the Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board, after doing research and doing listening sessions throughout the community, had drafted up a Minneapolis Park Board Urban Agricultural Activity Plan. And this would be the plan to kind of guide the work of the Minneapolis Park Board in using public land and using park board land to grow food, to grow food for education, to have spaces to talk about native species of um, plants and edibles and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Everything that we are very excited about to make sure folks understand that there are edibles, that we have fruit and nut trees that are not just ornamental and pretty, but actually useful for people. And when we first saw this plan as a land stewardship project and as Hope Community, we're very excited for this commitment to have more access to land and more people growing food on the land and using it as an educational opportunity. But what was really disappointing when this plan came out back in May uh, of 2014 mm -hmm. was the complete lack of a racial equity lens in the plan. And so what I mean by that is when the park board undertook this activity plan, they did listening sessions throughout the metro region and throughout Minneapolis, talking to residents in North Minneapolis, South Minneapolis, East, West, at different parks and in different spaces, including a listening session at Hope Community. 
where at this listening session, it came up and it came up at multiple listening sessions that folks were excited to get more people on the land, but we wanted to have racial equity in the plan explicitly because we know from the past and we know that in the society we live in, if we do not explicitly address racial equity, then it's not part of the plan. Mm -hmm. And so we brought that up, that we want to make sure that this plan is is moving forward and is working for justice and equity for all people who it's going to impact. And in that context, it came comes from a perspective that Hope Community and the Hope Community leaders have been working on this since 1999 with Shaka Makali and others who are working on this work at Hope Community have been putting pressure on the park board to include racial equity at large for all of their work, for the hiring practices, where funding goes, tracking who has access to parks and who feels that those are safe spaces for them. And so this work came up as a, a really clear partnership activity of Hope Community and Land Stewardship Project as we're working on urban ag. And this, this urban ag activity plan has come up talking about urban ag and we're talking about racial equity in the plan, it made very clear sense that Land Stewardship Project and Hope Community would partner on working to make sure that this plan does not just get passed, but gets passed with racial equity very clearly in the plan. You gave some good examples of how racial equity would look in the park system in general, say in hiring practices, in what parks are open, what, where resources go. What, what, can you give me a couple examples of how that would maybe be work in, in an urban ag type situation? I think very clearly it's understood that our food system is never designed and doesn't operate in a way that is fair, just, and healthy for all people who are in the food system from those who are undocumented and unprotected from seed to waste stream. Uh, there's folks who the, the systems of oppression that we live in in our society exploit and are taken advantage of. And so we're looking at our smaller food system or our food shed of Minneapolis. We have a system that we know low-income families and communities of color are disproportionately impacted by this unjust and unhealthy food system with a lack of access to healthy food options, um, with um, not having access to land. We have families who have agricultural experience who are pushed off the land and are marginalized out of the system. We have a system that pushes unhealthy, cheap, fast food into these communities and does not have the same amenities as many of the other communities in Minneapolis that are more white or more affluent that have many healthy food options. Mm -hmm. And so from a food sovereignty or a food democracy perspective, giving people access to land to grow their own food is a big first step of allowing people to have control of their own food system, that they do not have to rely on a food system that has not been working for us. We can do it ourselves. And so one perspective is that this from having racial equity in the urban agricultural activity plan of the park board as the park board is public land, all people using that space should have equal access to it and have equal benefits from it, mm -hmm. especially those who have been pushed out of the system. If you're thinking about a park in general, we're not talking about tearing up a soccer field or tearing up a baseball field and planting an urban garden. It's more using land that exists already that is not used for another activity uh -huh. and doing those demonstration activities as an educational so when you sign up for a summer class or your, your, your children are at the park, they might take a football class, but they could also take a class in urban gardening and then do uh, a salsas or jam or jelly class for value-added products. And mm -hmm. I think that is creating a food system that's reconnecting us to our food and reconnecting folks to that farm beginnings is an opportunity for them 
to do something in the future that is healthy and life-giving for our community. I think that's an important point to make. Yeah, you're not calling on tearing up soccer fields and, and, and that. This is land that maybe it's the park board controls, but it's not being really used much for anything else right now. Yep, it's, it's public space and it's public land, and the community has spoken to us that we want to do this. And, you know, we're not talking about creating a urban farm that is massive. It's, I think, a lot of demonstration stuff to do education and some food to be grown for people to eat to increase access to healthy local food, which is one, like, fantastic. But I think it's, you know, one step on a journey of redefining our food system. Uh, how about other cities who have, um, in general their park system has really made a concerted effort to make racial equity part of their planning process and the way they manage the parks. Is that, do you know anything? I think as other cities who are leading on racial equity, this was part of the work that Hope Community and Land Stewardship Project partnered on is to use a toolkit that came out of Seattle, the Racial Equity Toolkit Assessment, and also from a Minneapolis organization, Organizing Apprenticeship Project, OAP, using those in tandem to kind of, not kind of, to truly guide our work as what do we do in this situation where policymakers held listening sessions, community does not feel heard, and we look at a 16-page document on urban agriculture and the word racial equity is not even included in the plan, we do not feel heard. And so looking at the racial equity toolkit assessment out of Seattle and other cities that are leading on putting race explicitly in plans, racial equity, you know, leading the charge on racial justice nationally, we did look at other cities like Seattle as a model. So give me a little idea. You, you touched on that a little bit, this, these meetings. I think maybe the park board was a little surprised at how much people reacted to not being heard. Back in May, Land Stewardship Project and Hope Community received an email from the park board that in the next nine days there was going to be a hearing. So there was a hearing then on May 21st. So we had nine days notice to get folks together to talk about this. And I think that kind of points to the reality that it was maybe assumed that this plan was good to go and it was, it was ready to pass. And I would just echo that we were excited about growing food on public land. Mm-hmm. But as you said, we weren't heard on the other aspects of this plan. So we did organize about 38 people as speakers to show up. We had over 40 people there with us in solidarity. And of the 38 speakers who showed up, there are 30 speakers who took to the mic on May 21st. 25 of them explicitly talked about including racial equity in the plan. And it wasn't our goal to side attack or from the flank. The goal was we did have a short amount of time, and we wanted to get as many people there as possible. Mm-hmm. As the listening sessions have already happened, and we did not feel heard, so we're going to come to your meeting and make sure you hear us that we support you in passing this plan, but we want you to do it right. So let's do it right, include racial equity in the plan, define it in the glossary of terms, and then we can move forward with you know implementing this plan together that is just and equal for all people in the city. And so we showed up on May 21st. We had a large group of our community members, and we, and we said our three asked very clearly. We said include racial equity in the plan, define it in the definition, uh, define racial equity in the definition of the urban agricultural glossary of terms, and include a racial equity impact assessment in the evaluation measures. And that's where we use Organizing Apprenticeship Project and the Seattle Racial Equity Impact Assessment Toolkit mm-hmm. as examples for the park board to say other policymakers are doing this. Other policymakers in other cities are doing this. It is time for you to be on the cutting edge and do this and move Minneapolis forward for this one part of your plan, for the one part of your work as a park board. Mm-hmm. 
And it seemed to work. I mean, they seemed to heard you, or at least this, that finally they heard you. <laughs> so on May 21st, we did have a very strong showing. We, uh, it was very clear after the park board had some conversation that the plan was not going to pass that night, that it was sent back to staff to, to be worked on and to follow up on our three asks. In the month of June, it was I would we were impressed that the park board worked directly with Hope Community and Land Stewardship Project recommended a few folks to be at the table, in a community table of all people of color, work together to work with the park board and help push them on what this what our asks really mean. Mm-hmm. And when the plan came back up, we met again with the park board on Wednesday, July sixteenth was the next time we came together. So. They took all the month of June, and they did some really good work. They listened to the community members. They looked at examples of other policymakers. They used the racial toolkit assessment, um, the racial equity toolkit, and the racial equity assessment or impact assessment toolkit. And they came back on Wednesday, July 16th, and we looked at the second draft, and all of our asks were there. And it was worth the people. We grew, it was worth us showing up and speaking. And it was worth taking that time to do the plan right. So on Wednesday, July 16th, Land Stewardship Project again showed up with Hope Community with a large group of members to say thank you, to say thank you for listening, thank you for doing this right, and thank you for growing more food in the community. And we also pushed back a little bit to say you're doing this right in this section of your work. But we know for many years members of the Minneapolis community have been putting pressure on you to see racial equity park board-wide. So we want to see you do this park board-wide, put mm-hmm. this everywhere. We know that you turned down a month ago an opportunity to have a third-party audit of your hiring and firing practices after you're being questioned for racist discriminatory and discriminatory practices in your hiring and firing practices. So way to go in this one section of your work. You, know, you, you move forward. But now let's talk about all of your work as a park board and how do we include racial equity in all of your work. One of the examples of a spe- spe- one specific example we were thinking of when we're talking about this is tracking the funding. You can see where money has been spent on parks in different communities in Minneapolis, and the racial value, the racial equity assessment for this is to look at where that funding is going mm-hmm. and which communities are benefiting, which communities are being left out or pushed out. And so I think that is one example to make sure that the funding is equitable regardless of your race, class, or gender, sexual orientation, that all people are getting access to this opportunity to grow food on public land. And explicitly making sure that there's racial equity in in the distribution of the funds that form all across Minneapolis regardless of your zip code. When I was 15 and 16, one of my first jobs up in Duluth, Minnesota, was working for Parks and Recreation in Duluth. And I was like, this is the best job in the world. I get paid to play with kids and go canoeing and kayaking and hiking and things of that nature. And I think adding another layer to that about healthy and active living is this next step. And we, some of that is happening, but over growing food on public land, we're introducing youth. And if it has a racial equity component, it's not just in white communities. It's not just in wealthy communities. It's not just in community A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. It's in all communities. And that means all youth will have access to these programs talking about how do we grow food? Where do we grow food? What are foods that you might not have access to on your daily diet because your family might not use them? Or I've been introduced to so many new foods with the work I'm doing with Hope Community growing food on, with the residents of Hope that we can talk about you know, cooking, culture, and community. What types of foods do you eat with your family? And what types of foods do I eat with my family? And sharing those ideas and recipes and cooking new foods together. 
And I think that's a really beautiful opportunity to build friendships and allies and build community and building racial justice throughout the entire city. And that we all eat food. We are all human. We all need these things. And from youth being able to have access to these things and have opportunities to think about growing food themselves, growing foods in new and innovative ways to feed our population, I think that's really exciting. So what's the next step? I think the next step from our perspective of Land Stewardship Project is continuing to support Hope Community and working on park, pushing the park board on racial equity at large. We want to see this campaign as continued pressure, continued community involvement, and building that power and community to win this fight, to, to push them forward and be, you know, we were voted, Minneapolis Parks and Rec, uh, Recreation was voted one of the best park systems in the nation. But what I think is sad about that is we don't have a strong racial equity component to our parks. And so why don't we be the best park board in the nation that is also leading on racial equity? So this is an opportunity for policymakers to be leaders. This is an opportunity for policymakers to be innovators nationwide and to really work for a park system that is equitable and just for everybody. So it's a park system for everybody. For more information on LSP's work with Hope Community and food justice issues, see www.landstewardshipproject.org and check out the Just Food for All section of the website. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.